intros that are so familiar from podcasts where someone's like a terrible fucking thing happened we lost an episode we didn't though we lost th- three minutes of an episode we lost but we lost a hot hot intro just hit me again all right let's just recreate it beefsteak nation feels forced now it's a double annoyance it's an annoyance in that i just want to say beefsteak nation i want to say Beefsteak Jake. I want to say the thing that we say. Yeah, beefsteak Jake. And it's also annoying. We say beefsteak Jake. It's also... That's another thing we say. It's also an annoyance Mm. because we just went through this and we lost all the audio. We lost all the audio. Of you interrupting me and now we're trying to recreate... Beefsteak Jake. We're trying to recreate a thing Beefsteak Jake. Annoyed me in the first place. (laughs) Hello. Hi, hi. Hi, hi hi is how we do it. (laughs) God damn it. Hi hi Jack. Hi hi. It's me. Well, how do what I say? What do I say? Welcome. Hi hi. Hi hi. Hi hi. I'm Jack Shepard. Tanner Greenring. Okay. And this is a podcast. I'm Tanner Greenring. I know. I know who you are. I know who I am. I'm Jack Shepard. I know I'm what Tanner we're Greenring. doing. I know who you are. You're J- Tanner Greenring. Yeah. Wait. You're Tanner Greenring. Yeah. I'm Jack Shepard. And I'm Tanner Greenring. What's this thing? The Babysitters Club. Club, a podcast in which we discuss the classic American novels by Beefsteak Jake. Beef by American. He- don't do not sidetrack me. By American hero N. M. Martin. Okay. Oh man, you you kind of blue balls on me because I was just about to hop in when you said N. M. I was going to say beefsteak. <laughs> <laughs> well, do not put this on me. Uh. Here's some context for why we're doing this and what we're doing. This week we're reading book number 11 of the Babysitter's Club series. The book is entitled... Christy and the Snobs. Oh, I thought you were going to say Beefsteak, Jake. No. Okay. It's called Christy and the Snobs. There's a reason that we've read 11 of these books. If you're just tuning in, the reason for me is that as a young man, I read all of these books. I have a deep connection to this series. In Tanner's case, as you know, Tanner, but... As some of our listeners may not know, on Thursdays when your wife, Jamie, is away out with friends taking a well-earned day off, I will sometimes babysit for you. <laughs> is that what's happening? Do you guys have like an, uh, an arrangement? Oh, no. I mean, no. We just, you and I just, sorry. You and I just have, we have fun. We play, we play games. I bring the, the kid kit. You I know? feel like a real Mallory in this situation because I feel like you are only a couple years older than me, <laughs> and I could probably competently take care of myself and the triplets and five other kids that live in my household with me. Yeah, but you're not getting paid. No, and you just kind of like bring me in as like a well, and that's every now and then. That's why I, when people ask, I say that we have equal roles to play in this. Listen, I want to cut right to the chase here. Yeah. All right. Okay. Here's the, don't you're distracting me. <laughs> I was just wiggling my fingers. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do this segment first because it is important that we tell our listeners who may not have read Christine the Snobs they might want to know what the hell we're talking about before we start talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give you a little one sentence description of what I think this book is about. Yeah, 
It's not going to be one sentence. It's, it's going to be, be one sentence. It's going to be one run-on <laughs> 200-word sentence. Essay. <laughs> Essay. Uh, Christy. Everyone grab your dictionaries. <laughs> Christy Thomas is a 13-year-old girl. Period. She lives one. in Stony Brook, Connecticut. Period. That's two. And she worries about okay, comma. the kinds of things that 13-year-old girls worry about. Period. That's two. She worries about her friends. She worries about okay, was... boys. She worries about... There's a lot of semicolons. Okay, these are all semicolons. She worries about the snobs who've moved in next door. She worries about her parents' divorce. How she's period. fitting in at school. Yeah, fine. Comma period. splice. Nope, that's a hard period. <laughs> three, that's three. But there's one thing she didn't worry about. Colon. And that is... Comma. The ever-looming presence of death. In this book, Christy Thomas faces something she never expected. The specter of her own demise. I'm not ready to get into it, man. <sighs> that's something we're going to have to deal with today. This is a very special episode of the Babysitter's Club Club. It's a very serious episode. If you tuned in because you like the comedic stylings that Tanner and I bring to our microphones. I'm sorry for you if that's the case. If you tuned in because you just wanted a break from the daily grind, you wanted something to take your mind off the, the horror of living in the 21st century, I'm sorry because this is going to be a tough one. And we're going to get into it in a traditional way. Can I give my plot synopsis? I'm going to ask Tanner to give a plot synopsis. I'm going to set my timer for 60 seconds, and Tanner's going to describe what, what happens in this book in 60 seconds. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Let's go now. Louis dies. Louis the Border Collie. Louis Thomas. Christy and David Michaels' beloved pet dog dies. They have to put him down. Yeah. He's just too old. He just can't keep going. That's it. You're gonna. You know what we should do? We should take the next. That's all I've got in me, man. The next forty seconds, just a moment of silence. A moment of silence, uh, which is radio gold. Shh. I can't and won't. Shh. I cannot. It's for Louis. I can't. I. Lo- I love this dog, man, but I can't leave dead air. For the beefsteak, Jake. <laughs> That's sixty seconds. We're gonna have to describe what actually happens in the plot. Nothing else happens, man. That's all that matters. We need to talk about these snobs. Cares the book is called Christine the Snobs. Man, death is inevitable, and there are snobs, and shit happens with snobs. It's a great equalizer. But look, we all reach the pearly gates. No one's a snob, man. Here's since we're here, Louis will be there waiting for let's us. Let's go straight to another little segment. That has become a massive fan favorite. I like to call the tearful moment. Tanner, what was your tearful moment this week? Was there anything in this book that stood out to you as in any way upsetting? Or, the you know, sometimes it's tough with these books because it's just about a bunch of girls just doing their stuff and, like, going to school and, like, hanging out with each other and talking about boys. But, you know, if you reach hard, you can maybe find something that made you feel a little sad or made you want to cry a little bit or, like, ruined your whole fucking day. Is there something you found in this book that that kind of bummed you out maybe a little bit? Let me read this note. The first tearful moment I captured. Yeah. They take 
Louis is, is sick. Louis, their border collie, is an old man. He's lost control of his faculties, and at some point, he he's like stopped eating. He stopped moving around a lot. And at some point, this is before the big reveal. Louis's just feeling not so great. He's gone to the vet. The vet's like, yeah, he's getting old, you know. He'll be all right, but he's getting old. He accidentally has a boom boom on the carpet, and David Michael walks in to find him, and they have a discussion about how he hasn't made a boom boom on the carpet since he was a puppy. I'd like to interject for the listeners that the word boom boom is never used. This is just something that Tanner apparently says. Yeah, Okay. It's a. It means a poop. He's yeah, made no, a poop. I know what it means. Okay, I just don't want to be too. I, just, I don't want to get too blue. I just want to be clear that this is how you talk. Yeah, and not something that Anna Martin says. So anyway, Louis makes a boom boom. Mm-hmm. David Michael storms in and says, "Bad, bad dog," shaking his finger at Louis. "You're not a puppy now." But then he bent down to hug Louis. Louis, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I don't think you could help yourself, could you? Could he, Christy? I shook my head. No, he couldn't. David Michael looked at me from around Louis's furry neck. He's really sick, isn't he? He asked. I nodded. Then I turned away before my brother could see me cry. That was my first tale for a moment. And I thought, man, that's a rough tale for a moment. Good thing that's the last one, huh? <sighs> After that point, I have recorded another 15 tearful moments. And at some point, they went from me taking a quick note in my text here with the note tearful moment to just me going, Fuck. Just over and over again. I have the same note over and over again. Fuck, 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 fuck. You want to hear my note under tearful moment? It's just, this fucking dog. Christ. <laughs> I I did, I highlighted some passages. Here's one just kind of at random. I looked down at Louis' liquid brown eyes. When he moved them, his eyebrows moved too. He was yeah, paying attention to everything in the waiting room. Do you think he knows what's going to happen? I asked softly. They play Louie Louie at his funeral. Yeah, they can't just, figure out what song. song. They want to. They think about playing uh, B-I-N-G-O, Bingo was his name-o, and they think that's inappropriate for a funeral. They end up playing Louie Louie because back when he was a pup, whenever they would put that song on the radio, he would howl every time somebody said Louie. And the moment that really stood out to me, and we're going to have to move on from this because this is not I don't a, think we can, This man. is not a dead dog's podcast. Somebody else is probably doing that, and they're making a lot more oh, money than fuck. we are. I just found another one, man. It really got me. Let me tell you mine, and then I'll, and then you can give me yours, and then we're, we will move on from this because it's fucking bumming me out. It's just at the funeral, everybody says something nice about Shit, Louis. I think we're going to have the same one. Everybody says something nice about Louis. Like, they go around, and everybody says something. And Watson, Christie's stepdad, who, like, kind of never says anything, and he's kind of, like, in these books, he's just, like, a goofball. Yeah. He just says... He was nice to Boo Boo. You're a cat man. I'm a cat man. Of course man. you're into that. I'm a cat man, but there's the dynamic of this is interesting. Like, the fact that he was nice to the cat, this, like, ornery fucking cat who's cursed by a witch, makes me sad. And the fact that Watson, who's this grown-ass dude who's, like, just trying to— This is, like, this has rocked the world of these children. But Watson is just trying to be a dad and, like, do their weird, dumb funeral. Like, that's what he thinks of somehow. He's like, nice his to dad, my cat. He was nice to my cat. Like, I didn't know this dog. This wasn't my dog. I had a cat. You guys moved into my house. And then your At dog least the was dog got along with it. nice to my cat. My dog doesn't get along with my cat. It's no. a real burden. I know. Um, yeah, they go around this circle. Everyone has something very nice to say about Louis. Louis was a good football player. He had a good sense of humor. 
Watson said he was nice to Boo Boo, and then the last person who goes is Louis' caretaker, young seven-year-old David Michael, who just says he was my best friend. Oh fuck! And then they lower him into the ground, <sighs> say their piece. Uh, Jack, yeah, you love animals. Yep, that's accurate. I love animals, mm-hmm. not to the same degree that you, you love do. animals, man. But I loved one animal in particular. Yeah, I was at I was home for Christmas at my grandma's house. Mm-hmm. My wife came with me. My mom and sister and entire family came. And drunkenly one night, I was talking about my deceased cat, Bull, Bull, who was a beautiful boy. Mm-hmm. About mm, six, seven months ago, we had to put him down because he was a very obese, unhealthy old man of a cat. Who lived a long, happy life. Yeah, I mean, we adopted him when he was 10. <laughs> he was already old and obese when we adopted him. So get off my back, Baby Nation. We actually helped him lose about five pounds. And Baby Nation, I can confirm, Tanner is known to tell tall tales, but I can confirm that he was a beautiful boy. We had to put Bull down. It was awful. It was mm-hmm. the worst. And this echoed it so much. He was just old. He lost control of his body. Uh, I had to bring him to the vet, and I held him like a little baby as the vet put him down. And it was the worst moment of my life. Over Christmas, I went and visited my grandparents and was playing games with my mom and my sister and my wife one night. And I drunkenly told them, I, I mean this when I say it, to you, my mother, to you, my sister, and to you, my wife, I have never loved anything more than I loved Bull, my cat. And they just, they all just like nodded, like, nodded sagely. Like, yeah, yeah, you really love that cat. <sighs> so this book with all the Louie going out, the last 40% of this book is dealing with the end days and funeral of Louie the dog. And I just sat on the subway weeping. <laughs> just like people were like looking at me, just like, <gasps> it rocked me. It I rocked me. Knowing all this, I finished this book two days ago, and you and I were talking at work today, and you, I was like, hey, did you finish the book? We got to record tonight. And you were like, yeah, man, I'm about 70% of the way through, just going to finish it up on the subway. And you probably don't remember this, but I was just like, good luck with that, man. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it might have registered as a little like, okay, what is that? I, can't, I can finish uh, the last yeah. 40 pages I, I know of this book, I can. no problem. It's a 40-minute commute. It's exactly how long it takes. Yeah, don't triangulate. And I was just like... Oh, shit, we triangulated our, <laughs> our, exactly where we live. <laughs> I was just like, Tanner is going to be a wreck. Yeah. Openly it's crying. brutal. Like, the book starts with them being like, the dog is doesn't seem as well as he used to be. Well, he's getting old. And I was like, well, fortunately, we're in the Babysitter's Club universe where, like, nothing, nothing really bad happens. And so also time, time, as we established last week. Time is slowed down. Time is slowed down. Okay, great. Because that is something that I would like to get into as a next topic. I'm just I'm just sitting here looking at my dog now. He's no. sitting here next to us. He's napping. He's only three, but you know, he's going to be old someday. Look at him. Oh, my God. He's so cute. He already looks like an old man. Jack, look at him. Let's not talk about your the potential eventual death of look your dog. Look how cute he is. People are like, oh, man, I'm going to tune into my favorite cast that just takes me out of my grim world. And puts me into a nice place where I can remember the happy time of the 80s. And you're talking about, like, one day my dog will die. My cat just died, and someday my dog will, too. 
Look Listen. how cute he is now, though. He's cutie. Yeah, he's. Cute, I'm gonna post man. a picture on the Facebook group. Great. People can. T- I'm gonna take a picture right now. If you start using, okay, fine. If you start using our fucking Facebook group to just post pictures of your dumb dog. He's not dumb. Here's something I'll tell you, and then I want to move on to this point that was a good segue. Hercules Mulligan. It's my dog's name. I will love your dead cat in death more than I will ever love your current alive dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bull was a very special boy. He was a beautiful boy. Listen, I want to talk about aging theory real quick. Anna Martin wrote an entry at the end of the last book that was like, letter to the readers. I noticed time is stopping. It's like, I realized that the girls were getting older over the past 10 books. And I realized that I wouldn't be able to push this series any further if they kept getting older in real time. So I decided to stop time. And now the girls are encased in amber and will never age. <laughs> Thanks, guys. What a fun, weird thing I did. Love- Every week you'll have to relive the death of this beloved family pet over <laughs> and over again. So we talked about that last week. Aging theory was a big part of. They're going to be mourning Louis's death was. for the Listen rest of me. time. Listen to me. Oh God, I hate it. Why'd the kids have Louis? stopped aging, so something needs to take the weight in this universe. The kids aren't aging anymore. Time has stopped for these children. The world. But for every action, there needs to be an equal and opposite reaction. Uh-huh. You can't cast a magic like that and expect nothing to fucking happen in the fabric of space Are you time. saying that Louie is the vessel for all of the aging? She's taking it out on the animals. The kids are staying the same age. Listen, this book starts. Marianne is like, huh, my kitten has worms. Well, still a kitten, though. Sure, Shit is happening to these fucking animals. Two books ago, this dog was running around. Yeah, like a wild he was like dog. he was in like a he was in like a dog fashion show. All of a sudden, Anna Martin stops time on the kids. The cat has worms. The dog goes from like fine to dead in the course of two days. Yeah, I'm just saying. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think the dog and this poor kitten have taken the brunt of this this universe's aging processes. Yeah, one hundred percent. I have upsetting. All I've got to say is that, like, the animals are aging. The kids are staying the same age. Someone needs to be a target. Yeah. There's some bullshit. Um, I think a a good way for us to get into talking about the snobs is to kind of bring up the, like, the obvious backdrop of this Elizabethan revenge tragedy stuff that's going on. Yeah. Um, I can't wait because I captured a really awesome prank of the week. We're not going to talk about burn of the week until we get through this. This okay. we we got to do our homework first. Okay. Um, you've read. I mean, you've probably read Duchess of Malfi. You've read the Spanish tragedy. <laughs> this book mimics the structure. Don't look at me like this. I want no. I need your full attention. You're just looking through your notes. Go ahead. This is a this is a book about revenge. Uh huh. Christie and the snobs. Yeah. It starts out the snobs like cast a slight on Christie. It starts off by Christy listing her th- the things she hates most. Do you want to know what those things are? Yes. Here are the list of the things Christy claims in literally paragraph one mm-hmm. that she can't stand. Mm-hmm. Cabbage. Number one. Yep. Number one with a cap. Mm-hmm. Capital C, cabbage. Yep. Blood. Mm-hmm. With her there. People who chew with their mouths open. Garbage. Squirrels. Mm-hmm. Snobs. And snobs. Way at the top of the list, she says, snobs. Snobs. And what are the fucking odds that she would come into contact with these motherfucking snobs? She would move in across the street from them. Yeah. So, here are the four major characteristics. pretty good. It's Connecticut. 
Here are the four major characteristics a lot of, snobs. of an Elizabethan revenge tragedy. Kind of upper middle class. A character with a serious grievance against a formidable opponent. Number one, yep. Christie and the snobs. A play within a play, traditionally, particularly in kids, the Spanish tragedy. There's a play within a play. Yep. Did you catch the play within a play? Yeah. Uh, when Gabby and Myra, the two kids they're babysitting for. Mariah. You always change. You change the name of what this kid is called. I don't know. I how decided to this the week. Name. I decided this week that it was Mariah. It's M Y R I A H. Baby Nation. Figure out for us like what this name is because I don't. I say Myra. I say Myria. I think it's Mariah. Mariah to me is spelled with an A, but it's M Y R I A H. Don't be an orbit. But listen, these kids. Yep. Uh, Gabby and Myra. Yeah. Throw a tea party for the dolls. And yeah, they keep once saying, again, the dolls. They keep saying this funny thing that where they're pretending to be British, and they keep saying, too, too, divine. Oh, it's too, <laughs> You know what? Divine. I saw that in my text and assumed it was like an error. I was like, I have no idea what that means, but it must be some kind of typographical error in this digital like <laughs> scan of the yeah. book that I have, because uh-huh. that doesn't mean anything, too, too, divine. No, I think that's their British accents for divine. Oh, it's too divine. Too divine, too too divine. Yeah, that's what they keep saying. Well, it really threw me off. They say it a bunch. Do you think they're casting a spell? A play within a play. Yeah, it's just it's just Anna Martin is. Ticking. That was like th- a three-page passage. She's ticking the boxes. She's ticking the boxes as a wink, a wink to the reader, saying, "Look." Like, she's done this before, right? She's done the pastiche of the gothic novel. She's done a pastiche of a dystopian fantasy. Like, any number of these things. And this week, she's using the tropes very clearly of Elizabethan revenge tragedy. And that's what's happening with the play within a play. The third one, and there are only four, mercifully for you, A Vengeful Ghost. Oh, yeah. Ben Brewer. Ben Brewer. once, Once again, rears his ugly head. Yeah. Ben Brewer... The ghost of, of Karen Brewer's grandfather. Karen's grandfather lives in the attic. Chases her lives around in the, the attic. House. He's vengeful. Yeah, he like it's just so. I mean, it's it's very Hamlet. And the fourth trope of Elizabethan revenge tragedy that plays out in this book is a perfect segue. One of several gory scenes. The gory scenes in this I book. I don't specifically remember. Any gory scenes? There wasn't. And so, I definitely would have because I would have been rock hard. <laughs> <laughs> on the subway, sitting on the subway, <laughs> rock hard, crying your eyes out. Somebody somebody takes pity on you and is like, uh, sir, sir, are Leave you okay? alone? You're like, I'm reading the babysitter's I need to be club. alone. <laughs> uh, cut all that out. Cut all, cut all the stuff about me getting rock hard. About I will gore not. Out. I fucking will not, sir. I will not. I will not. No, normally, I feel like normally you say cut it out, and I say sure, and then I don't. This time, I promise you, I will not be cutting out. So make your peace with it. Maybe, like you might want to like tweet about it or something so yeah. to get out in front of it. Like, hey not guys, the, not uh, an episode of my podcast that's coming out uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, I talk about just being rock hard on the subway, and I am while reading passages about gore. Um, <laughs> sorry, <It's- laughs> sorry, you have to live in this truth. Yeah, and so this this particular trope 
to me is it's a, it's metaphorical. Obviously, there's no actual gore. This is a book for twelve year old girls, but there are some sick fucking burns in this book. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is convenient because Tanner and I have a little segment that Tanner came up with that is called Beef Steak Jake. Fucking asshole. I fucking set you up. I I like, I like slow pitched that to you. I love you. Bird of the week. Bird of the week. Bird of the week. Burn. We're gonna have to come up with a better way. We can't. We can't say ba 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 for every new segment introduction. Be good. Beef steak, chick. Oh, sorry. Shit. God damn it. Like, I don't think there's even any context for why we say beefsteak, Jake. I don't think there like, is he... any context. We just started saying it, Jack. <laughs> I think we started saying it because it had a lot of hard B's and K's, yeah, and it was, was a good way was a to test, test our mics. Oh, beefsteak, Jake. I'm cutting all that out. I don't want people to know. People are just going to be like, they're frantically looking through the transcripts of the other episodes. <laughs> they're Googling. They're on the babysitter's wiki, like Googling beefsteak, Jake. Who, who's beefsteak, Jake? Stacy's boyfriend and like book. 125? Um, there was a lot of good burns. There was some sick fucking There burns. was a lot of good pranks. We because gotta, you know why there's a lot of good pranks? Because this was a Christy POV, and Christy is a master Christy. of pranks. She's a master. And then, Can I explain real quick? Yeah. The snobs. The titular snobs. Thank you. He says at minute, like, 40. <laughs> <laughs> are Amanda and Max snob name, who are babies, who need to be sat, who live across the street from Christy. Mm-hmm. Their next-door neighbor, Shannon Shannon Kilborn, also a snob. Mm-hmm. Christy has a couple run-ins with Shannon Kilborn where, you know, Shannon's kind of a, a snobby B-word to Christy. Yeah. And, it, and just, Christy's just kind of like s- a salt-of-the-earth B-word to Shannon. Yes. Here, a little context for how snobby these motherfuckers are. Christy's moved into a new neighborhood that's like mansions all over the place. Yeah, all mansions. It's all mansions. These fucking snobs, they have a dog and a cat. The dog's name is Astrid of Grenville. It's a Bernese mountain dog. And the cat's name is Priscilla, and it costs $400. Yeah, and she has a beautiful tail. That's all they talk about. So anyway, there's some contention because Christy, she's new to this neighborhood. She's not a snob. So she automatically comes into this interaction with kind of a, a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. She's also walking a very old, very decrepit, pre-death Louis at this point. Fuck. And Shannon Kilborn, like, is walking her beautiful, purebred, Pyrenees mountain dog, Astrid of Grenville. And they kind of exchange blows. They decide that they don't like one another. Christy is babysitting Max and Amanda and gets a call on the phone. Christy, hey, it's Shannon. Uh, Just so you know, there's smoke pouring out of one of the upper-level windows of the mansion that you're babysitting at right now. Christy panics. She grabs her babies, who she is sitting. They run out to the street. She turns back and looks at the house. No smoke. Behind her, she hears laughter. Shannon and her fucking bougie, prissy, snobby snobby friends are sitting on their wraparound patio, sipping on champagne flutes full of diamonds and Don Perignon, I assume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Laughing down their giant, snooty, snobby noses at Christy. Hilarious. Hilarious. Oh, how how droll. Yep. And Christy loses her mind. 
and lashes out in the most spectacular way. The shit that she does in response to this particular prank is next fucking level. She figures out that there is a diaper delivery company. Yeah. Mr. That, Storks. Called Mr. Storks that like delivers baby products to new mothers. Yeah. And she calls him up and she's like, Hi, I'm the daughter of Mrs. Kilborn. My Mrs. name is Shannon. Mrs. Kilborn. I'm my name is Shannon. My mom just had a kid and we desperately need a diaper. Metric fuck ton. <laughs> Of diapers. Is there any way you guys could deliver a ton of fucking diapers to my front door? To my front door. Mr. Storks is like, yep, no problem. And they do. And Christy sits in her new home at Watson Brewer's house and watches the interaction go down. And it is beautiful. It's so good. So then Shannon gets back at Christy Mm -hmm. by calling her. As she's taking care of Amanda and Max, she says, I'm over at the Papadakis's, mm-hmm. and their little kid, I don't know what's wrong. She's just Oh, crying. yeah, I really need help. I really need your I'm help. I'm worried. She seems sick. Like, you're an expert babysitter. Is any- I know we have our differences. Is there any way you can come over? Right, so Christy grabs Amanda and Max mm-hmm. and rushes over to the Papadakis's, mm-hmm. and Shannon answers the door, and she's like, oh, what do you mean? I didn't call you. What do you mean? Why are you here? Why are you here? And that's her, that's her. That's how she got back at Christy. Yeah, this is the thing about revenge dramas. It's very one-sided. But then I think she knew that that retaliation wasn't quite up to the standard. Right. So what she does is the next time yeah. Christy is watching Amanda and Max, who she's won over by this point. Keep in mind Amanda and Max are also snobby. Yeah, they're um, snobs, but Christy's figured out Christy, a way. with the help of Stacy, figures out how to manipulate them. Stacy actually pulls some awesome shit this week figures out how to manipulate these snobs into capitulating right so she's watching amanda and max yeah a pizza guy shows up mm-hmm. in the driveway and says got an order here for christy thomas christy's like oh uh my name is genevieve i think you she thinks so fast she thinks on her feet she's like i didn't order pizzas but this like this wasn't a mix-up this is the snobs i'm immediately it's like oh no i'm sorry my name is genevieve you're looking for Christy Thomas. She lives across the street. Oh, so You'll funny. recognize her by her snobbish attitude, her preppy private school clothing, and her curly blonde hair. Perfectly describing Shannon Kilborn. Shannon Kilborn receives the pizza, is forced to pay for it. She's got to pay for her, her own pizza prank. Marches over to Amanda and Max's house and says, Christy Thomas, fuck you. Fuck Look you. what you did. And you know what Christy does? She eats a fucking pizza. Invites her in. Yeah. And like, hey, you know what? Hey, let's eat some of this. Bury the hatchet. Let's eat some of this pizza. And they become good friends. And Christy ends up paying for half the pizza. And she's like, you know what? We had a good run. It's a little bit like uh, the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. At some point, they just put their differences behind them. And they're like, you know what? We've been at this for a long time. Yeah. But time to bury this hatchet. Let's, Let's become good friends. And they do. Yeah. And then Louis dies. Fuck, man. You had to bring it back there. The dog just dies, man. I like I the dog dies. I like I keep I want to go back and read this book again just in the in the vein of hope that this time they're going to find a fucking way to save him. Louis dies. Louis dies and <sighs> Shannon in her immense capacity for human compassion, yeah, gives Christy and the Thomases a puppy. Born from their 
purebred Pyrenees Mountain Astrid Dog, of Astrid Grenville. of Grenville. They said, we're selling the rest of these puppies, but we know you just had a huge loss. Yeah. And we're sympathetic to that. We Will know he'll never replace Louie. Accept this puppy. Which leads me to a special moment for me this week, Jack. Okay. Which was both, in my opinion, a tearful moment mm-hmm. and my burn of the week. Wow. You've been saving that up, man. Yeah. Your tearful moment was also was my burn also of the week. Also, your. Fucking burn of the week. Yep. You goddamn badass. Yep. So Christy Thomas is playing with this puppy. Mm-hmm. She's super gracious. She calls her mom. Her mom is like, Christy, we've already been talking about this. Of course we want to get another dog. Our life is incomplete without a dog. We just want to make sure David Michael's okay with it. So Christy hangs up the phone. She tells Shannon, yes, we can keep this dog. Thank you so much. I just need to call my brother. And Shannon's like, yeah, invite him over and introduce him to the dog. So they do that, and David Michael comes over to Amanda and Max's house. He starts playing with the dog. He instantly falls in love with it, and he's like, yes, I want this dog. I love this puppy, and this is my tearful moment and burn of the week. And he says, I think we should name it Shannon. (laughs) They named the dog Shannon. (laughs) Which, if you're Shannon Kilborn, you're Uh like, oh, okay, okay. That's sweet, but also, like, is that an insult? Now I'm your dog? Yeah. (laughs) You're naming a dog after me? Okay. Okay, cool. They live, like, across the street for the rest of Shannon's life. Growing up, Watson is going to be, like, out in his, like, robe. Like, (laughs) other people are going to walk out in his robe. Shannon, no! Seven in the morning, like, Shannon, no pooping! Shannon, Shannon, stop pooping in the street! Don't poop in the street! God damn it, Shannon! Shannon, get back in here. Shannon's going to shoot up in her bed. Huh? I'm sorry, Walt. Bad girl. Oh, Bad girl. Um, maybe this just resonates for me as someone named Tanner. Yeah. Because. You got a dog's name. Every Yeah. I've got a dog's name, man. Yeah. Every time I introduce myself to someone, yeah. they're like, oh, hey, I had a friend who had a dog named Tanner. Yeah. I've heard that my entire life growing up, Jack. You got a dog's name, man. I got a dog's name. Yep. I, I don't want It's wanna... also super sweet and touching. That David Michael chose to name his dog after Shannon. It's beautiful. It's also the sickest bird. It's just, yeah. It's this is a baby nation first. This is a babysitter's club. Why'd you say club. like the snake in the grass? Snake Logan. in the grass. Here's why: because Logan barely appears in this. He doesn't appear at all, does he? He's mentioned, hmm. and I just I just wanted to talk about snake in the grass. I just want to do your impression. I just want to do my Logan. Was Elliot mentioned? <laughs> I don't think Elliot. <laughs> Go ahead. What's your it? what's what's one of several burns of the week for you? There are a bunch of burns of the week. I got three. This is a book that's full of burns. We talked. This fucking dog died and threw everything out of whack, man. Because this bu- is a book about snobs, uh-huh. and we barely talked about the snobs. Here's the first interaction between Christy and the snobs. Yeah. What does your little club do? Asked Shannon. What do you think? I replied testily. We babysit. How cute, said the blonde with the curls. The others giggled. (laughs) Nice outfit, called the non-blonde, putting her hands on her hips. Your outfits are nice, too, says Christy. You look like clones, snob clones. That's a pretty fucking wild thing to say to someone you just met. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Listen, I want to tell you about my other burns. Okay. Because I've got some good ones. This is when the snobs are making fun of the dog. Louie. Louie. Me. The snobs 
May fucking R.I.P. Shit. Angels. <laughs> what, what's the ha- quote from Hamlet? May flights of angels sing him to his rest. Yeah. Christ, man. Christ. Uh, there's so much Hamlet in this as well. Like, they have a bunch of Shakespeare references in this book, by which I mean one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot for a Babysitter's Club. It's a, it's a lot for a Babysitter's Club book where Christy at some point says to the Babysitter's Club, like, hey, have you guys read The Taming of the Shrew? This is kind of like The Taming of the Snobs. Um, here's my second burn of the week, and I want you to listen to it. Yeah. Shannon is talking about Louis. Mm-hmm. May he forever rest in peace. May flights of angel carry him to his rest. Sing him. Sing him to his rest. She says, Pew, your dog smells. Where's he been? In a swamp? Here's what Christy says in response. Slowly dying. Marching inexorably (laughs) towards his grave. (laughs) She definitely doesn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) No, she says, personally... I'd rather live in a swamp than across the street from you. <laughs> Eat it, snubs. Snap. And my final burn of the week isn't really a burn, but it's just kind of a sign of like how fucking badass and baller these snobs are. Uh, it's the snob kids and Amanda Chris- and Max. Amanda and Max and Christy's babysitting for them. Yeah. A commercial comes on. Amanda says, get me a Coke, Christy. What do you say? I replied in a sing-song <laughs> voice. I say... Get me a Coke. Yeah. Amanda repeated dryly. Yeah. Get me one too, said Max. <laughs> Max is just like, he just it's tosses like... it off. Oh, yes. Yeah. Get me one too. Uh, Peasant. Yeah, while you're out there. I thought that was fucking, that yeah. was a sick That's a good one. <laughs> what else we have to discuss this week, man? We've been through it all. We don't have time to talk about Contrapasso. Are you sure? All right, if you want to talk I about it. I feel like our viewers would really be into that. Okay. Contrapasso. The Contrapasso. Is that a is... Photoshop filter? No. A contra... No. Come on, man. <laughs> a Contrapasso is from Dante. Everybody in hell has a punishment that they very specifically deserve. And the punishment fits the crime. It's a form of poetic justice. So the false prophets, for instance, their punishment in hell is that their heads are turned around backwards. So they're like walking forward. Yeah, but yeah, I know that. Looking in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's a contrapasso because their whole thing was like looking forward and getting it wrong. Right. I mean, this book is full of them. Like the snobs are acting like fucking babies, and guess what happens to them? They get diapers delivered to their fucking houses. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and also Satan twists their heads off and puts them on backwards, so they're always facing backwards. Which is exactly what Elliot. Welcome to my twisted, dark pleasure chamber. <laughs> um, you thought you had heard the last of Elliot. I don't. I I want to bring back this character, Elliot. Elliot, the demigod. I I worry of pleasure and pain. <laughs> I worry that he's always going to be lurking in the shadows of these books. I'm always there, and we're going to have to find him. That's all. Titillating the fringes of your consciousness. <laughs> I think that where we're going to find him is in the Dawn books because Dawn is very much, it's like light versus dark. Yeah, it's like very... Like the Dawn books are very... Of heavy religious themes. Heavy religious themes, eschatological. <laughs> I'm sorry, scatological? No, eschatological. <laughs> Don't... <laughs> eschatological meaning like about... About and related pee. to... Yeah. About and all the... 
sort of bodily fluids. About or related to the end times. Yeah. The end times. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Like, the only other thing I kind of wanted to touch on in this book is the subverted ritual. Okay. And it's a very common trope in the Anna Martin verse to take a, a sacred ritual and subvert it. You'll remember that it happened very specifically in the novel Christie's Big Day, uh-huh. where Christie's mom is getting married to Watson. Yep, I remember. And a few short books ago. Prior to the actual wedding that they all take part in, they hold this mock wedding. Yeah. That's like a mockery of the actual ritual. Right. Um, and then in the last book that we read, Snake in the Grass. Yeah, Logan. Logan. Likes. Logan likes Mary Ann. Uh-huh. Logan walks in. And upsets their babysitting club ritual. Yep. And he subverts their ritual of meeting by talking about bra snapping and... One, no, or two pianist boys named Elliot the Demigod. Elliot. And then in this book, we have this like weird funeral for oh, this God. dog. Just wrecked me. That is so powerful. And guess who gets invited to the fucking funeral at the last minute? Shannon Kilborn. The snobs. And so they go around, and everybody says the one thing about Louis that they love the most. He was my best friend. He was my best fucking friend. Fuck. You know, I'm going to reveal something to the Baby Nation right now. Shit. You're a militant vegan. Okay. Militant is a, an adjective. You've been a militant vegan for as long as I've known you. Militant is an adjective that you choose Carry on. I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people to think that I'm like marching through the streets. You like, would knocking, you would, knocking on doors. You would. You absolutely <laughs> would. You were you were a powerful vegan. You believe firmly in your veganism mm-hmm. and animal rights. Mm-hmm. When my cat bull, mm-hmm. who I loved with all of my capacity to love, died that night, Jamie and I, my wife. My wife came home. Even in like even in revelatory moments. <laughs> we were feeling pretty bummed out. We just put our cat down. I hugged him as the last light in his eyes was extinguished. Came home, sat on our couch. Both of us are just crying. Like not even saying anything to one another, just crying. We're like, All right, well, we should order some dinner. We're not gonna cook. Let's order some dinner. So we both ordered some comfort food from the bar down the street. I got my favorite food, buffalo wings. It came to the door, and I opened it up, and I looked at it, and was just disgusted. I was like, I cannot eat this, and I haven't had any meat since that day. That was eight months ago. You've been essentially vegetarian since the moment. Yeah. That's the kind of impact... Something like this can have on someone's life. Yeah. He was my best friend. And because of that, now I have a, a no immense animal. lifestyle change. Yeah. That's incredibly powerful. Anyway, the snob showed up. <laughs> Fuck, man. You really took the wind out of my sails there by telling this deeply personal and moving story about your beloved dead cat. No, go ahead. The snob showed yeah, up. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> the snob showed up at the funeral. Everybody says their favorite thing about Louis, the thing they remember. He's my best friend. And then the snobs feel like God, they need to say something. Friend. And here's what is a really say. good photo from my wedding. The photographers came to my house mm-hmm. as we were getting ready 
like sh- showering yeah. and shaving and putting. I did on that our too. Wedding clothes. It's just mostly photos of me, just me standing doing literally nothing and like constant action with Sarah and all of her friends, like a, frantically preparing her. There's a really good photo that I'll post on the Facebook group as Jamie was frantically getting ready for our nuptials. Mm-hmm. I was just sitting there eating tacos, and Bull was sitting on the couch next to me, and I was just having a conversation with him. <laughs> About like, oh, like, mommy and daddy are going to be out tonight. Uh, you be a good boy. We'll see you tomorrow. Just like eating tacos. Ugh. I miss that little, little son of a gun. That's beautiful. And it's a great segue from my joke that I'm about to make. Go ahead. Snobs. So the snobs are, at, sorry, the snobs are at this funeral. I. <laughs> go ahead. The, like, no, go I ahead. Feel like go ahead. I'm trying to imagine what a metaphor for what I'm feeling right now would be like. Oh, go ahead. It would be like... Make your joke. Make your joke. If I was a stand-up comedian and somebody, like, hired me, like, hey, can you come to my event and just, like, you know, do your thing? Yeah. No, maybe a clown. (laughs) I'm a clown. And they're like, hey, we we hired a clown. Uh, Could you come to our event? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. I come to the events. And they're like, yeah, you go on at nine. I show up and it's a fucking funeral. (laughs) No, go ahead. Clown. And they're just like we loved, we loved, like Papa, yeah, so much. Yeah, go ahead, clown. Make your joke. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I've been hogging the mic. Here's a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Papa wouldn't have wanted this. He would have wanted some laughter. So here's a clown. <laughs> here's a fucking clown. And I'm like, <laughs> who likes balloons? <laughs> Uh, uh, go ahead. Make listen, your make your joke. Clown. Here's what these everybody goes around and says what they love about the dog. I probably got one more in me. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> and then the snob this isn't even that interesting. <laughs> you fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> Just oh my goddamn thunder. Go ahead, clown. Everybody says what they love about the dog and the snobs feel like they need to say something. And Max says, I would say if my cat Priscilla died. Priscilla had a beautiful tail. Yeah, she did. And then, and I'd say Priscilla cost $400. Yep. Added Amanda. Yeah. And that's how the funeral ends. Yep. <laughs> and that's how this podcast is going to end. Just all go home. Um, keep in mind, Priscilla, 1986. <laughs> it's a cat, long dead. No. So, in uh, memoriam cat- of Louie and Priscilla. And Astrid of Grenville. They were my best friends. They had beautiful tails. I will never. And they cost $400. I will never love again. May flights of angels sing them. Sing them to their rest. To their rest. I've been Jack Shepard. I've been Tanner Greenring. Next week, we're going to be reading book 12 of the Babysitter's Club, Claudia. If you're still alive, man, anything could happen. Shit. Anything could happen in a week. Next week, if we're still alive and. Baby Nation, frankly, if you're still alive, mm-hmm. listener, baby boys, baby girls, baby bees, baby corpses, stay safe out there. It's a cruel world. Death creeps up on you when you least expect it. Claudia's <laughs> wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you think, boys, <sighs> had just been invented. And so we come to the end of the road. I don't know the rest of that song.
<laughs> Good night, everybody. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. I don't understand. Oh, I turned your levels all the way down. Is how you do me? This is how you do me? All right, say. All right, say. Speak. Repeat after me. Yeah. Peep and poop. No. Yeah. Peep no. and poop. You're always doing this dumb shit when I'm trying to fucking get something done. Repeat. Just for once in your fucking life, listen to me and repeat after me. Are you ready? Peep and poop. No. Repeat after me. I need this for the levels, okay? Yeah. Peep. Peep. And. And. Poop. Poop. <laughs>